Let's just pray uh, as we come to God's word. Acts, Acts chapter 10. Heavenly Father, your, your word is alive. It is a living word that speaks, uh, that uh, convicts, that changes, that challenges, that comforts. And we pray that your word would be alive in us today as we look at it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in my first year at SMBC, Sydney Missionary and Bible College, I can remember being at a chapel service there and there was a, a fellow with a little puppet on his hand, a little bird puppet. He was very funny, making us laugh. And uh, it turns out that he was a missionary from Afghanistan, an Australian missionary in Afghanistan. And um, at lunchtime, I got chatting with him and told him about, you know, at, at the time, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And he said, oh, I could put you in Afghanistan in a moment. And I thought, whoa, step, step back. Uh, I was a bit scared about that prospect, uh, living in Afghanistan. Uh, also, a couple of years ago, our friend Jo, who's serving in the Middle East, you might have seen her photo in the hall. She was staying with us and uh, in a fairly safe country in the Middle East, but she said her colleagues had encouraged her to move next door to Syria. And this was during the whole problems in Syria, that she should go and live in Syria and be a missionary there. And when I heard that, I tried to tell her she shouldn't do that, because that was uh, too dangerous. Friends, as we come to Acts chapter 10, we're going to see that this essentially is a passage about mission work. It's about God's mission in the whole world. You see, the challenge for us today is to think about how far does the gospel really need to go out? How far out does God want to send this gospel? It challenges us to have the same heart that God does for the people of the world. And so the big question from Acts chapter 10 we're asking today is how wide is God's missionary purpose? Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of a program called Google Earth. Have people heard of Google Earth? It's a program on the internet where you can uh, basically zoom in on any part of the world. You, you zoom down, you start with a picture of Earth and then you zoom down. So someone could be zooming down on Griffith Presbyterian right now, although it's not live, of course. Um, but if your car was parked out there a year ago, they'd probably see it. They can zoom down on the Google Earth. But there's another element of it called the street view, the street level view, where you can click the street view button and it takes you down to this horizontal kind of look where you'd be standing as I am now looking out on the street. And you can zoom around on the street. So you can have the Google Earth view or you can have the street view. So this passage is a bit like that. Uh, from chapter 10, verses 1 to 48, we have the Google Earth view. We have God looking down, God zooming down onto the world and onto his plan and arranging for the message to go to the Gentiles. God zooms down in the Google Earth perspective from chapter 10, verses 1 to 48. But we also see the street-level perspective in this passage, the perspective of the everyday man and what this passage meant to them in chapter 11 with Peter's experience in Jerusalem. So firstly, the Google Earth perspective, God's action zooming into this passage. We're going to see that Cornelius was prepared, that Peter was prepared, and then Peter preachers at Cornelius's home. 
So firstly, Cornelius is prepared in verses 1 to 8. Have a look at verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and tells him to go to the Apostle Peter. So we see here first that Cornelius was prepared. Now, who was Cornelius? We see there that he was a centurion, a a Roman soldier in management, in charge of over a hundred other legionnaires. He was a God-fearing man. So though he was a Roman, though he was not a Jew, he still feared the God of Israel. He gave generously to people in need. He prayed to God regularly. But the point in this passage is that Cornelius was a Gentile and he was not a Jew. So therefore he was excluded from the covenant with God. He couldn't be God's friend because he was not Jewish. He wasn't saved, therefore, because he was not Jewish. And so God wants to change this. And so a vision comes to Cornelius and he sees an angel. We see there the angel says to him, Cornelius, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering to God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. So the Lord is reaching out to Cornelius and wanting to bring him to faith as an example that all the Gentiles are welcome in the kingdom of God. So next we see that Peter too is prepared. In this Google Earth view, God has zoomed down and prepared Cornelius. Now he's going to zoom down over in another town and prepare Peter for this moment as well, for this great moment of Gentile inclusion into the kingdom. So what was happening with Peter at the time? If you read the passage before, uh, chapter 10, you'll notice that Peter is doing some amazing stuff. He's just gone to this other town and healed a man who was paralysed. In the name of Jesus, he did this. He's just gone to another town and brought back a dead person. Now, hang on, couldn't Jesus, wasn't he the only one who could raise dead people? Isn't it amazing that through the power of Jesus, Peter, an average bloke, is bringing dead people back to life? Now, if you're not listening at the moment, wake up. This guy raised someone from the dead. God's power is working through him. It's amazing. And so a vision comes to Peter this time. Have a look at verse 9. It says, About noon the following day, as they were on their journey, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. While the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. So uh, Peter's um, got his his, uh, bedding, his linen ready. It's coming down from heaven now and uh, there's animals on the linen. 
These animals are important because Peter wasn't allowed to eat them according to the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, there were rules where certain kinds of food were considered clean and unclean. Certain kinds of food were considered holy or unholy. And the Jews still hold to these cleanliness laws today. Coincidentally, so do the Seventh-day Adventists. There were certain kinds of food that were not cool. Okay, Peter, Peter uh, sees them and he goes, yeah, I can't eat those things, God. Verse 14, I've never eaten anything unclean, impure or unclean. I'm going to be a good Jew, God, and I'm not going to have a Big Mac with an unclean bird in it. But God says to him in verse 15, Peter, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Now, it's very nice that um, God is getting rid of the kosher laws and he's going to allow Peter to eat non-clean Big Macs. Isn't that lovely? But he's also trying to say to him, Peter, not only are all foods clean, but now all humans are clean as well. There had been a great separation between Jew and Gentile They weren't even allowed to go into the house of the Gentiles. But God is saying, now all Gentiles can come to me as well. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. So God is preparing the Gentiles to come into his kingdom. Now, do you know how important this moment is in the Bible? This isn't just an Acts chapter 10 moment. This is like a whole Bible kind of moment. For all the way back in Genesis chapter 12, God said, I'm going to choose you, Abraham, and you're going to make the nation of Israel. But now God is widening the play game, widening the ball game, widening the playground so that all peoples may come to him. Three times he gives this vision to Peter to try and beat it into his head. All peoples can now come to me because Jesus died and rose again. Now, I was on college mission in Albury a few years ago, as I mentioned the other week, and uh, we got to the Albury Cinema on the main street. And sitting outside the cinema was this young fellow. I started having a chat with him, trying to share the gospel with him. And he told me that was all fine, but he didn't want to eat any unclean food. And I was puzzled by that and surprised. Uh, What he needed at the time was this chapter, wasn't it? Acts chapter 10. God is changing things up here on a huge scale. The kingdom is no longer just for the Jew, but also for the Gentile. He's declared all foods clean, but all peoples clean. He's going to change the worldwide arrangement and welcome the Gentiles into the body of believers. So what happens next in the passage? Well, we see in this Google Earth view that God is arranging things and at just the right time, the messengers come to Peter. They come to him, they say, hey mate, um, Corny had a vision, God wants you to go over to this other town and meet with him. And so Peter goes with them eventually. Let's read from verse 23. The next day, Peter started out with them. And some of the brothers from Joppa went along. 
The following day he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said, I'm only a man myself. Talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call anything impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. And then uh, have a look at verse 34, because Peter then goes on to share the gospel with them. He says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Peter realises that now is the moment to share the gospel with the Gentiles. And so he does that in that long narrative there from verses 34 and onwards. He tells them that Jesus came to Galilee and went around doing good and healing those who are under the power of the devil that Peter and his mates were witnesses of everything Jesus did even when he died and rose again and presented himself to them and that this was what all the prophets testified about. In verse 43, the forgiveness of sins through the name of Jesus. Now remember we're thinking about what God is doing in this passage, zooming in from his Google Earth perspective and making things happen here. God's perspective, God's desire at this point is for the salvation of the Gentiles. So let's have a look at verse 44 and onwards. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. So here we see the very first moment of Gentile inclusion. You see, without Acts chapter 10, you couldn't be saved if you're a Gentile. But here we see the very first moment where God opens up salvation to all nations. The book of Ephesians talks about this. It says that we were once without hope and without God in the world. Can you imagine being a Gentile and seeing the nation of Israel have their God and be the apple of his eye, but you were without hope and without God? Well, that's not the way it's going to stay. Because here in Acts 10, hope comes and God comes to all the world. Ephesians says that we are brought near by the blood of Christ. God's purpose is for worldwide salvation and therefore it's also for us. Griffith's a long way from Israel, isn't it? But God's purpose is for worldwide salvation. For salvation to Murrumbidgee Regional High School. That's where God wants to save people and at the council and on Banner Avenue. God's desire is for all to be saved and even you. So friends, let us be grateful that the gospel has come to us, to the Gentiles, to all nations. 
This passage shows us. And let us never withhold the gospel from someone, for we see that God wants all people to know him. So the challenge for us is, do we have a gospel-minded heart that wants to share the message with everyone? So we've seen the Google Earth perspective, the zooming down, the activity of God in the passage. Now let's look at the street-level perspective, how Peter defends his actions in Jerusalem and how the gospel is received by the average Joe on the street. Have a look at verse 1, chapter 11 and verse 1. It says, The apostles and the brothers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, You went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Peter began and explained every to them, everything to them precisely as it had happened. So words getting out now, and especially to the leadership, that the Gentiles have received the word of God. Peter goes to Jerusalem to make a report, and he gets criticized for doing the wrong thing that he went into the house of non-Jews and ate with them, something that he wasn't allowed to do. And so from verse 4 and onwards, Peter explains everything that happened to them. He tells them about the bedsheet that came down to heaven with all the critters on it and how God told him to get up and eat things that he wasn't really meant to because God was going to make all things clean. He tells them how the Holy Spirit told him to go to see Cornelius, to share the gospel with the Gentiles, and how the Acts 2 moment happened in Acts 10. The Holy Spirit came on the Gentiles. And so Peter says in 17, well, if God gave them the same gift as he gave us Jews, then who was I to think that I could oppose God? And so when that happens... When they hear his message, they had no further objections, verse 18, and praised God, saying, So then, God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. Now, in a church meeting sometimes, or pretty much all the time, we might need to move a motion and have it seconded and agreed to approve something. Well, here in Acts chapter 10 is a motion. Uh, it's been moved second in and agreed that the Gentiles are now in the kingdom of God. God's moving the motion. Maybe Peter seconds it. And then all in favor in Jerusalem say, aye, yes, this is true. God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. So once again, it shows us that the gospel has made it to you. For we are the Gentiles. We are the nations of the world. And the gospel comes to us freely. Christ died for us and wants us to be part of the kingdom. Who told the gospel first to you? When did you first receive it? This free gift that God reaches out all the way to the plains of western New South Wales. And also, looking at this passage, does it make you have a missionary heart for the world? Going to a missionary Bible college has helped me to love mission work. But do you love mission work too? Do we have a missionary heart for God's world? God's purpose is to share the gospel we see here. His purpose is to push beyond the barriers that we put up. 
to push beyond them, to smash them down, to push that gospel out to all places. He wants the gospel to go to the nations of Africa, to the islands of Indonesia, even to the people that we find annoying at church. The gospel is for all of us. He wants the gospel to go out to Pioneer and Griffith, to the streets you don't want to walk down. See, friends, we need to do whatever we can to get the gospel out in the world. Now, Peter Bolt, a lecturer at Moore College, has written a really great book called Mission Minded. And he's saying that churches can either be in mission mode or they can be in maintenance mode. Maintenance mode is when we're just going through the motions and we're just doing church because that's what we've always done and we're just focusing on the blue carpet. Mission mode is when we're on mission for God together in this town. And he challenges us that churches should be on mission mode. Don't, don't be comfortable to stay in maintenance mode. And that's a real challenge for us, isn't it? What do you think here at the Prezi Church in Griffith? Are we in mission mode or are we in maintenance mode? How can we be more in mission mode? For we're about to approve a value that says we value evangelism and mission. How are we carrying that out as a church? We need to pray about these things together. Well, today we've seen a huge passage in the Bible where God's plans have been turned on their head by himself. He's changing it up. He's changing the salvation way to include not just the Jews, but also all nations. Do not call anything unclean that God has made clean. He wants all people to come into his fold. So it's a challenge for us, isn't it? to make mission at the heart of what we're doing as an individual and as a church. Where does that sit with you, with your ministry, with our church? God leads his church here in Acts 10 to overcome its prejudice so that the gospel reaches all peoples. He directs them by speech, by visions, to press beyond these barriers. His purpose is expansive he knows that all of us, everywhere, need Jesus Christ. So how are we going to measure this in our own lives? Friends, we need to get out of these doors and share the gospel to bring people into these doors. For God's missionary heart has saved us. All of us need God. For some of us who might have been Presbyterians for a long time, I once heard a man say, I am Presbyterian by conviction, but by greater conviction, I am interdenominational. By greater conviction, we must be gospel-minded people. In Acts 10, God continues to show his concern for the salvation of those who are lost. Maybe some of us will need to go to the hard places of this world for Jesus as they have hearts like God himself. Friends, God leads his church here to overcome the barriers so that the gospel reaches all peoples. So think about our church. Think about our ministries. 
think about your life. How will you in all things be gospel-minded so that the work of God's gospel can go forward in the world? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have had mercy on us. We thank you for desiring us to come to you. We thank you for your unbreakable love for us. Lord, we pray that we wouldn't set up barriers in this world, but that we would break the barriers as you have and share and welcome and see people saved. Go before us, Lord, and help us, Lord, to be a church that values these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.